Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to talk about does God answer prayer? That is a huge question. Uh, many people have asked me and I thought, well, hey, you know what? Let's just go ahead and uh, put it on the podcast and answer that very question. Does God answer prayer? I hope that when we're done, you will clearly see, and, I, and I'm going to make this statement that you may appreciate or may not appreciate, and that God hears prayer and God answers prayer for those who are his children, but not for the unsaved. That's, that's unsettling. But we're going to get into it, clarify it using Scripture so that we clear, clearly understand uh, what God's talking about. And I am your host, John Westfall, and so let's get started. John 9.31, we're just going to start in Scripture. And, and remember what I've said in the past. You, you can, when, when you look at passages, it's not up to your interpretation. We have to look at the passage. Who are we talking to? Who, who's the, the writer talking to, the author of the book or the letter, whichever one you're reading in, in the Scriptures? What's their audience? Who are they talking to? Uh, let's look at some verses before and some verses after so we can keep that verse in the context. And then, then we can clearly understand because the, the worst thing that we could do is to read a verse and then decide, well, that's what it means to me. Well, that's, that's great. Good for you. But what does it actually mean? And I think one of the biggest problems that we have in society today, in churches, uh, with Christians in general, is they're not reading the Bible. They're not reading the Bible, so therefore they're not even experiencing the power of God. And people say, well, I, you know, I, I spend time with God. What, five minutes, two minutes, 30 seconds, five minutes a week? There's only, 100, what, 168 hours in a week? And so what? how much time do you spend with God? And if you're not reading God's Word, you're not spending time with the things that God wants you to know and understand. So today, I'm going to answer the question that has been asked of me, very specifically, does God hear the prayers of an unbeliever, a sinner? Well, if we use the word sinner, that could classify the non-believer and the believer. Because the reality is, you and I, we have free will. We have the choice. We can decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to follow God's word. I'm going to live a righteous life. And, and I'm a believer, so this is good. Or I can be a believer and say, you know, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe he is holy and righteous. I believe that without him I can't get to heaven. But I have decided I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to do it my way. So the sinner is the same when you're talking about a non-believer and a believer that has that attitude. The difference, though, still remains that the non-believer doesn't go to heaven, not because of God, but we'll get into that. And the believer, even being defiant, still goes to heaven. He's just going to have to deal with uh, uh, God when God deals with him, and God will deal with that one as a child of his, a disobedient child, whereas a non-believer, God deals with that person as an enemy. And 
I know sometimes some of this is hard to deal with, but guys, I promise you, as we go through this, I'm going to be reading the scriptures. I'm going to keep it in context. I will explain it clearly. If you have any questions, uh, go and read it for yourself. Search it out. Dig it out. Man, there is no better way to understand the Word of God than to absolutely just get into it and start reading and understanding. Uh, that I, I encourage that. I, I challenge you to do that, and I think it'll absolutely change your life. All right, so now let's get on to... Does God answer prayers? God answers prayers, not for the unbeliever, but for the believer, but only if the believer is right with him. A lot here. Here we go. John 9.31 says, We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. And so, so again, remember I said you could be, you could be a Christian, but living in sin, defying God, and, and you would be classified as the sinner, or um, you would be an unbeliever and you're a sinner. Both sit in the same camp. God's not going to answer your prayers. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, there's your key. You're a worshiper of God. You love God, and you do his will. You do what he asked you to do. God listens to him. What brings this out is Jesus heals a blind man. Now, the blind man is not a believer, and, and we're going to find that out here in just a second. He's not a believer. But God knew that he would believe because God knows everything. He knows the past, the present, the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, it, God never changes. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. Uh, he's all-powerful, and he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And so here he knows that this man would eventually believe, but, but even if he wouldn't, God still had the option to heal him if he wanted to, and Jesus chose to heal him. But you got to remember also during this time, Jesus is walking on the earth. He is establishing who he is. He's doing miracles so people will see uh, that he's the real deal. So Jesus chose to heal him because G Jesus chose to heal him. But I want to give you the context of what's going on in this, uh, uh, in this healing and, and 31 where it says we, we know that God does not hear sinners. So these are your Pharisees, right? The, the, the righteous, religious group that are not righteous or self-righteous, uh, but this religious group that is supposed to be teaching the things of God, but instead they're wanting to create their own power, their own following, and, and they're not teaching the Word of God the way they should. So here, this man gets healed. He was blind from birth, and Jesus heals him, and we pick up, uh, they're, they're arguing with him, and verse 30 says, the man answered and said to them, why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Because they're saying, well, we don't know where Jesus is from. We don't know who he is. And so you tell us who or who this guy is. So you tell us who opened your eyes. Well, remember, he was blind. <laughs> so he didn't see Jesus. Jesus healed him, uh, or he was healed, and he went on his way. So then these Pharisees in 31 say, now, now we know. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. This they take from the Old Testament. 
And so, therefore, they know the law. They know what the Word of God says. They are taking this from the Old Testament, and I'm going to read some of that to you here in just a little while. And then 32, it says, Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. One of the, I don't have time to get into this. One of the interesting things that I see here is they said, you, you were born in sins. In other words, you were, you were blind because of your sin. But he was born blind. And so some of these didn't even believe in God. It leads you to believe that they believed in reincarnation or they, they a previous life and now he's come back to, to try it again or whatever, however you want to look at it. Uh, I just find that passage interesting and, and one day I'll, uh, maybe I'll break it all down. Uh, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him. So the Pharisees, they get so angry with him because he's not telling them. He's like, listen, man, I was this man giving me my sight, and you find this to be a problem? They cast him out. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and when he had found him, Jesus went looking for him. If you heard my other podcast, uh, Breakfast by the Sea, you will see that Jesus has a tendency to do this, man. He will go look for us. He'll look for you, uh, but you got to have the heart to receive him when he looks for you. So Jesus heard that they cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. In other words, he said, I'm it. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the son of God. I healed you. Uh, this is me. I'm, I'm the one. Then he said, Lord, I believe. I mean, can you imagine the excitement here? You got this man born, born blind. He was in his, uh, I think he was in his 30s at this point. God, Jesus gives him his sight back, and why wouldn't he believe? Lord, I believe. I mean, exclamation point. He's excited, and then it says, and he worshiped him. So the man believed in Jesus and then worshiped. That is the, the context of that passage of them in the Old Testament saying, uh, we know God does not hear sinners course and again remember they're they're self-righteous too it's, it's kind of ridiculous so that's in context of, of 931 again god can choose to heal whoever he chooses he can choose to hear whoever he chooses but i'm telling you according to scripture uh who he believes or who he hears when they pray and why john 5 14 and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Okay, let's just break this one down because here's the crux of this passage. We have the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will. Well, how are you going to know his will? How are, listen, God answers things according to his will, his desire. But if you don't know him, you don't know his will. If you don't read the Bible, you don't know him because you don't know his will. All throughout scriptures, as we read it, we clearly see what God expects from us. We clearly see that, that there's, this, there's this dynamic 
that God expects of our lifestyle that we have to present before him. Not, not good works, but a pure heart. And if we have a pure heart and our heart's desire is to do his heart's desire, that is according to his will, then he hears our prayers and he answers us. So if you don't, if you're not a believer, you never read the word of God, you, you're clueless at who he is, you honestly believe he's going to answer your prayers? No, because you're not even praying according to his will. And so uh, some, some scriptures um, uh, describe or people use these passages, I'll say, because I'm going to bring clarity to them as well. And, and you're going to see a consistency throughout the whole Bible here. That some people uh, say God answers prayers of unbelievers. But, but one of the things that, that I see throughout Scripture, God answers the prayers of unbelievers, but not until there's repentance. Like there's some form of repentance. There's some form of um, understanding and believing who God is, reverencing or honoring God. Uh, fearing God and, and becoming obedient to what he asked, there is a repentance. And, and repentance simply means that you're walking in one direction. When you repent, you turn and you walk away from sin and you walk toward God or the things of God. And so what we're going to see that people use these passages as unbelievers and God answers their prayer, uh, it goes way deeper than that. And so the first one that we're going to look at is uh, Nineveh, the people of Nineveh. Now, the people of Nineveh, uh, they were ungodly. They were evil. It was horrible. If you remember, God sends Jonah to tell the people of Nineveh to repent, uh, that God's going to destroy them. And, um, you know, Jonah doesn't want to do it, but he does it uh, mainly because God doesn't give him a whole lot of choice. <laughs> uh, you have to read the book of Jonah. I find it, I find it humorous. Because Jonah runs, hides, avoids God, and then and God's like, you know, listen, you're mine, and you're going to do what I've asked you to do. And so he just kind of puts some obstacles in Jonah's way that, that forces Jonah to go to, to Nineveh. So the people of Nineveh, listen, they, uh, they prayed that Nineveh might be spared because Jonah goes in and says, hey, um, just so that you know, God's going to kill you. Uh, the scripture here is is um, Jonah 3, 5 through 10. It says, it's starting in verse 5, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Now, they, they believed God because Jonah simply went in there and said, Hey, God is going to destroy you because you are evil you're, and you're sinful. They heard that from Jonah. And they immediately made adjustments. And that is what verse 5 is talking about. The people of Nineveh, the, the key here is believed God. They believed that God would destroy it. They believed who he was. They believed how powerful he was. They believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. That putting on sackcloth is literally a symbol of humility they humbled themselves. So first they believed God, then they humbled themselves before God. So all of a sudden, you, now you are seeing that they're not unbelievers. They believe. Look here in verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, 
covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Again, what do you see? Humility. The first thing we see in verse 5, they believed God. The second thing we see is all the people uh, showed humility by putting on sackcloth. And the king, the king. Now, to understand the king back then, he was it. He was the creme de la creme. He, nobody told the king what to do. And yet when they told the king what Jonah had said and what they were doing, the king humbled himself. Verse 7, and he issued a proclamation and published through, and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. What do we see? We see they believed. We see they humbled themselves. We see that they cried out to God. Well, why wouldn't God answer their prayer when they've done exactly what he has asked them to do? So to say that they're unbelievers, that's not true. They believed. Then as if as we go on in um, verse 8, it says that uh, they called out mightily to God. And then the king says this, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Repentance. Turn from your evil way. Turn from your violence. Humble yourself. Believe. Believing being the first one, the first pivotal thing. They did everything that God asked us to do today if we want him to hear our prayers. That's exactly what they did. Verse 10, God responds. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So people say, well, Nineveh's weren't believers, and God answered their prayer. Oh, man, are you reading the scriptures? Nineveh believed. Nineveh humbled themselves. Nineveh repented, and God spared them. That's that's like all throughout scripture that we see. Believe, humble yourself, repent, God will save you. Well, so let's, let's move on. The next one we find in Genesis 21, 14 through 19. Genesis 21, 14 through 19, if you're following along in your Bibles. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread. Well, let me, let me give you the context of this. This is about Abraham and Sarah. Um, Isaac is born. And when Isaac is born, um, uh, Ishmael, his brother, which Abraham had uh, a son by uh, Sarah's slave. You got to go back and read it. Can't get into all of it. But uh, so he has this child. And uh, this child is having fun with Isaac and uh, or mocking him, uh, however you want to put it here. And Sarah sees it and then tells Abraham, you get that slave and you get her son out of here. You, you kick them out, cast them out. Well, the only place you could go from where Abraham was was into the desert. When you go into the desert, you're pretty much looking to die if you have no skills. And you have a, a woman and a young man going into the desert. Verse 14, Genesis 21. So Abraham rose early in the morning 
took his bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. Now, the interesting thing about the skin of water is they say that that typically weighs about 30 pounds. And so Abraham put this on Hagar and uh, sent her out along with the child and sent her away, and she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. So she's in the desert. Now, I've been to the wilderness. I went over there to Israel a few years ago, and I'm telling you, it is barren. It is a crazy place over there. Uh, when it talks about the desert or the wilderness, typically the wilderness could easily be the desert. Verse 15, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes, then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as he sat opposite, as she, I'm sorry, as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Verse 17. Here is, this, this is the kicker. Listen, God didn't answer Hagar. Hagar was an unbeliever, but God didn't answer her. Verse 17, and God heard the voice of the boy. Now, a lot of people think that this is just a small child, but listen, when Isaac was born, Ishmael was about 14 years old. Then Ishmael goes, or Isaac goes through uh, this, this period of, of weaning and and that whole issue, which now is, is three years. We're, we're talking three to five years, quite possibly. And so if, if Isaac or if Ishmael was 14, when, when Abraham sent, uh, or when, when Isaac was born and then Isaac goes through his period of, of growing up and being weaned, that puts Ishmael between 17 and 19 years old. Listen, he he is not a baby. He is a young man. Now, understand this. In the, in the Jewish culture, you weren't a man until you were 30. That's why Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30, because at the age of 30, then they looked at you as a man, and then you carried some, some authority or at least uh, uh, a presence to yourself where they would listen to you. So in verse 17, it says, And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God heard Ishmael's prayer. If God heard Ishmael's prayer, he had to be, a, I mean, I would believe, I would think that he was a believer. And the reason is, is because Abraham raised Ishmael. It's his son. Abraham is righteous and had faith and his faith was counted to him as righteousness. The word of God tells us that in the old Testament, that they are to teach and raise their children up in the way they should go. They are to write the word of God in the house, on the fence post, everywhere they go, so that the, the child would understand the things of God. So it would stand the reason that Ishmael believed 
God or believed in God. It would, I, will, I don't have a problem with this. And so in 17, it says, and God heard the voice of the boy. God heard the boy's prayers because the boy believed. So again, if you say in Genesis that God answers the prayers of the unbeliever, that's hard to accept because uh, we see that uh, Hagar lifted up her voice. It doesn't say that God heard her voice. It says that God heard Ishmael's voice. And Ishmael would have clearly understood who God was being the son of Abraham. Don't have a problem with that one at all. All right, so the next one we're going to look at. We find in 1 Kings 21, 17 through 29. And, and here um, we're going to look at Ahab, how he reacts over, over Elijah's uh, prophecy concerning his posterity. And uh, God is going, listen, God is, is, is coming in, man. God is going to come in and wipe out Ahab and bring calamity. And Ahab hears about it. And when he hears about it, he cries out to God. But again, to call him an unbeliever, I'm going to struggle with, and here's why. So as we look at these, these scriptures, it's in uh, 1 Kings 21, 17 through 29. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me? O my enemy, he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me. And because you have made Israel to sin, that was the key, he angered God and he provoked Israel to sin. Verse 23, And of Jezebel the Lord also said, The dog shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. Oh my goodness, God is going to pour out his wrath on Ahab. Because Ahab is evil, set his mind on evil, set things on evil, has other people doing evil, and God's like, I've had enough. Verse 25, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. Nobody else like Ahab. Ahab was the worst. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejected. Remember what I said earlier, this is a sign of humility. All of a sudden, Ahab heard what God was going to do, believed what God was going to do. Now, I'm not saying that he was saved, but what I'm saying is that he believed the word of Elijah from Elijah's God. He understood what he was doing was evil. He humbles himself in verse 27. In verse 28, it says 
And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has, has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days I will bring the, the disaster upon his house. So here, listen, obviously I'm guessing the son is not going, and as we read, we find out the son does not humble himself before God. But Ahab humbled himself before God, and when you humble yourself before God, God honors that. And so to say that he was a non-believer or an unbeliever, I'm, I don't think he is because he believed what God said and he repented, made adjustments, humbled himself, and then God found favor and said, okay, listen, because you humbled yourself before me, I will not punish you. And, and it's not because God is narcissistic and says, everybody's got to humble themselves before me. It's because God says, I'm sick and tired of your evil. I'm sick and tired of you doing wrong. I'm sick and tired of you satisfying your own flesh at the expense of other people. I'm tired of it, and I'm going to put a stop to it. Ahab understood it. Ahab made the adjustments. And so we can look in, uh, some have said, well, Cornelius in the New Testament, now we're in the New Testament, Acts chapter 10, uh, Cornelius, uh, he wasn't a believer, but Cornelius was a believer. And here we find it in Acts at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. How can you say that God answered this, this man's prayer and this man was an unbeliever? You can't. And so I get really frustrated when I read this and I find that, oh, well, Cornelius wasn't a believer. The, the passage said that he was. And God, he prayed continually, and God sent, uh, went and got Peter, to send an angel to get to Peter, show Peter visions so that Peter understood what he was going to do. And then Simon Peter gets up and goes and visits Cornelius. Cornelius has a bunch of people in his house. Simon Peter shares the gospel, and those people get saved. That was Cornelius' prayer. This isn't difficult. We keep it in the, in, in the context of the passage. Now, let's look at God answering prayers of believers. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There is your contingency. When you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And God says, I'll answer your prayers. John 9, 31, we've already read. Uh, read. Proverbs 28, um, 28.9, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. If one turns his ear away from hearing the law, literally the law is the word of God. So you could easily read this. If one turns away his ear from hearing the word of God or the things of God, however you want to put it, God says even his prayer is an abomination. God will not answer the prayers. 1 Peter 3, 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, who are those that do evil? Because there's so many people who go, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. 
Listen, if you are supporting the things that God is against, you're evil. And I know people don't like to hear that, but that's a fact. If you are supporting the world and not the things of God, God says you are evil. Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I would have cherished the ungodly things, the sinful things, those that God does not approve of, God would not have listened. He wouldn't have heard, he wouldn't have heard the psalmist's prayers. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Again, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God looks at you as the wicked. I know that could be a slap in the face for some of you who go, well, I'm a good person. Okay, I'm not talking about good or bad. I'm saying that the way God looks at you, not the way man looks at you, or even the way you look at yourself. Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. How is it that a non-believer can live a righteous life when they don't even know what righteous life is because they say that the things of God are foolishness? See how this is all fitting in the Scripture? Uh, James 4.3 you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions or on your selfish desires. And so these people who uh, are praying to God to get or to have, if it's on selfish desires, they're not going to get it, whether it's uh, saved or not saved. And James, by the way, is talking to the saved, the Christian, and he's saying, listen, you, you're a Christian, and you aren't receiving the things that you are praying for because, man, you're, you're asking for the wrong things. God's not going to honor you with sinful pleasures. That's literally what, if you go and read James, uh, that's what he's talking about. 1 John 1, nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, again, if we're going to be righteous before God, we have to be cleansed. How are we cleansed? Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins? You believe you're a sinner? You believe that Jesus conquered death and hell? He's at the right hand of the Father? He's the only way to heaven? Listen, if you believe that in your heart of hearts, not in your head, then you will be saved, and God cleanses you from unrighteousness, and now he can hear your prayers. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. If you are living righteous and your and, and, and God says, my words abide in you, you're living, you're living what I've asked you and the way I've asked you to live, I'll answer your prayers. James 4, 4. And I'm, I'm going to end it right here with James 4, 4. You adulterous people, exclamation. So literally James is like, you adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God or war against God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Let's just think about that verse just for a minute because that verse is going to clarify a whole bunch of stuff that I just read. 
you adulterous people. Now, James is talking to the Christian who has who has given up God or chosen idols, false idols over God. You adulterous people. You you've chosen things over me. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. What does it mean to be a friend of the world? All right, I'm going to say this. You're not going to like it. Some of you might. Some of you might not. What does it mean to be a friend of the world? It doesn't mean to not be friendly to the, uh, to the people of the world. What it means is you do not support the world's views. You support God's views. Let me help you. God says homosexuality is a sin. If you support homosexuality, I know this isn't popular, but it is what it is. Romans chapter 1, if you want to read Romans chapter 1, I don't have time to get into all that because it's not about that. Romans chapter 1 clearly says that homosexuality is a sin. I'm not condemning anyone. I'm just simply telling you what the Bible says. I will leave the rest up to God, but I stand with God. You support homosexuality. You support abortion. Abortion is murder. I, I pray for anyone out there that has had an abortion. I, pr- I pray that uh, you don't allow the guilt to, to eat you up, but that you seek God's face and find comfort in, in the hand of God and the forgiveness of God. But, but the reality is God is against abortion. God is against homosexuality. God is against drunkenness. God is against rioting. God is against all these things that our society seems to be pushing that says is right and go ahead and do it. Hey, go ahead and, and live with them. It's okay. You don't need to get married. Just live with them because, hey, you know what, man? You got to try the ride before you before you invest. And so make sure it works. Make sure it's good. Make sure it's what you want. And if it's not, you're not married. That way you can get out. There's no nothing there to hold you, right? Because let's face it, commitment's gone. You're, you're a friend of the world when you think like that. And God says that when you think like the world and act like the world, that you are his enemy. So if you are unsaved and you are holding those beliefs or any beliefs that go against what the word of God says, you're clearly an enemy of God. Why would God answer your prayers? And you say, well, I'm a good person. But listen, if you don't agree with what God says, you're not a good person. God says that you're evil. But that goes for everyone. And if the, if the Christian decides to say, hey, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to satisfy the lust of the flesh and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, uh, live with this person, well, guess what? You, God's not going to answer your prayer either. It is not until we do what God has asked us to do and to live the way God asked us to live, which, by the way, is only sparing us a lot of headache and heartache. That, that's what it is. And so James makes it very clear and really just kind of brings all this together. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The next verse goes on to say that God is jealous for us. He's not jealous of us because he owns everything. There's nothing that, he, that, that exists that he doesn't own. What he wants is our heart. And if he has our heart, then he has us, but then we also have 
his blessings and he answers our prayers because we're going to be righteous or we're going to live. If he has our heart, we're going to live for him. And as long as we're doing that, he answers prayer. So, so the, to bring this all together, guys, understand God is jealous for us, not jealous of us. He's just, he wants, listen, he wants us. He wants us to love him and he wants to love us and he wants this beautiful world. But because we struggle to control ourselves, we spoil that. And, and these unbelievers who think that, oh, I pray to God, God hears my prayer. God doesn't hear your prayers. It's not because he doesn't want to. It's because it's the way it is set up, and he doesn't. He does not answer the prayers of the sinners. You want God to answer your prayer? Give your life to Jesus Christ, and then choose to live a righteous life. God will then hear and answer your prayers. I know today may have been a little harsh or hard, and I'm not trying to be, but I'm I'm answering questions that I'm being asked, and I'm trying to answer them as biblically as I can answer them uh, for the clearest understanding of everyone. Uh, guys, I hope you learned something today, and I, I hope that uh, the Word of God has has brought light to your thinking and maybe to your actions, and um, maybe you can make the adjustments that need to be made, and maybe you're already there, and now you just have a better understanding, and uh, and now you understand God just a little bit better and what he expects, and that encourages you to keep going. And let me encourage you to keep going. And let me encourage you, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that one day you just bow your head humble yourself. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he's the only way to heaven. He conquered death and hell. He's at the right hand of the Father today. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart, you will be saved. And then God will answer your prayers. Until the next time, God bless you. Thank you for joining me on According to John. I hope you click, like, share, follow, all those neat things so we can keep going. God bless you. Take care.